The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. You better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners. You better get ready. Times are coming when the sinner must die. Just how the people live, they're just gonna die. Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Just how the sinner lives, they're just gonna die. The time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. You better get ready, hallelujah, sinners. You better get ready. Times are coming when a sinner must die. God gave no other rainbow sign. Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. It won't be the water be the fire next time the time time's coming when the sinner must die oh sinners you better get ready oh you better get ready hallelujah sinners you better get ready times are coming when the sinner must die sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when the sinner must die. Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, first published in 1678. There's an account about Faithful, the companion to Pilgrim. Let me share it with you. This is from page 104, and I'm reading from a book edited by C.J. Levick, and I'm using it by permission. He writes, When I came to the foot of the hill called Difficulty, I met a very old man who asked me my name and destination. I told him I was a pilgrim going to the celestial city. Then the old man said to me, You look like an honest fellow. Would you be willing to come and live with me and work for me for the wages I would be willing to give you? Then I asked him his name and where he lived. He said his name was Adam the First, and that he lived in the town of Deceit. I then asked him what sort of work he had for me to do, and what were the wages he would pay. He told me that his work included many delights, and for wages he would make me the heir of his estate. I further asked him what sort of house he lived in and what other servants he had. So he told me that his house was maintained with all the daintiness of the world, that his servants were all relatives of his. Then I asked if he had any children. He said he had three daughters, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. 
Then he told me that I could marry them. I could marry them all if I wished. And then I asked for how long a time he would have me live with him. He told me that I would live with him as long as he lived. Well, what was the outcome of this discussion? Christian asked. Well, at first, I, I found myself somewhat inclined to go with the man, for I thought that his offer sounded very good. But I looked at his forehead and spoke with him, and I saw written, Put off the old man with his deeds. Well, then what happened? Then it came rushing into my mind that despite his flattering words, he would sell me as a slave when he got me home. Faithful said, So I asked him to stop talking, and I told him I would not come near the door of his house. Then he cursed me, told me that he would send someone after me who would make my soul bitter. So I turned to go away from him, but just as I turned to go, I felt him take hold of my flesh and give me such a deadly pinch that I thought he'd pulled a part of me off for himself. This made me shriek, Oh, wretched man! So I went on my way up the hill of difficulty. Now when I had climbed about halfway up, I looked behind and saw someone coming after me, swift as the wind. Soon he overtook me just about the place where the arbor stands. Well, that is the place, said Christian, where I sat down to rest and fell asleep and lost my scroll. Dear brother, hear me out, faithful urged. So as soon as the man overtook me, without saying a word, he struck me. He knocked me down unconscious. When I came to... I asked him why he had assaulted me. He said that it was because of my secret inclination to follow the ways of Adam the first. And with that, he struck me another deadly blow in the chest and beat me down backward. I lay at his feet as if I were dead. So when I came to, I cried to him and asked him for mercy. But he said, I don't know how to show mercy. And with that, he knocked me down again. He would have beaten me to death, except one came by and told him to stop. Who was it that told him to stop? Faithful went on. I did not recognize him at first. But as he went by, I saw the wounds in his hands and in his side. And then I knew it was our Lord. So I continued up the hill. Christian then explained, The man who overtook you was Moses. He spares no one. He spares no one, and he does not know how to show mercy to anyone who transgresses his law. I know that very well. It was not the first time that he had met with me. He was the one who came to me when I lived securely at home, and he told me he would burn my house over my head if I stayed there. He would burn the house down over my head if I stayed there. Now I want to tell you some things that you may not know but you need to know if you plan on living. That man was Moses. He is the law. We have thought about the Ten Commandments as a wall placard, giving some tips on how we should live. That's not the law. The law is living and it is chasing you. The law is alive, and it brings death to all men who break its commands. 
the law is after you. America is in the midst of a terrible sickness. We call it COVID-19, but Scripture also calls it sin. Scripture calls it breaking the law. COVID-19 is literally Moses and the law chasing down America and beating us. And we are being bitterly beaten. Now, not only is it the law that beats us, but many of our state officials are also beating us. The federal government is beating us. They've all joined in to bring destruction to the economy of America. Don't think it's strange what you feel happening to you. America has sinned against Almighty God, and the law is alive and well, and it has come to beat America into submission. It will burn the house down over America if we do not cease the sin and wickedness. There is corporate sin. There is the wickedness of eugenics in Planned Parenthood. There is the wickedness of abortion on every hand. Sixty million plus babies have been murdered in America since Roe v. Wade was passed by the Supreme Court. There is blood on the hands of the Supreme Court. And there is blood on the hands of the church for not rising up in total opposition and saying, no, it's not going to happen. Believe me, if all of the Christians in America said the murder stops now, it would stop. And then there are all of the wars we've engaged in and the innocent men and women we have had murdered by our bombs and our bullets, bringing starvation to nations who made us the policemen of the world. God didn't. He intended for us to be ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring forth righteousness in the nations, not wars, not destruction, not starvation. Now, there is no doubt America has done much good. We have supported Israel. We have sent missionaries. We have sent aid to Africa and other great nations. But oh, the evil we have done. There's a great deal of corporate repentance that must happen before we stop getting beaten by the law. Now again, I want to say to you, the law is alive and active. What do I mean? Well, if you go to Romans, the first chapter, verse 18, it says, The wrath of God, that is the anger of God, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what we, what we may know about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. So Paul is saying to the, to the Romans, the wrath of God is being poured out. And the wrath of God is seen in many different ways. Famine, pestilence, violence. Verse 21 for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their wise hearts were darkened. Foolish hearts. Because they are being handed over to the lust of their hearts. 
Verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. This is why the wrath of God is being poured out on America. You want the COVID-19 to stop? Then get right with God, America, and each of us individually. Repent. Turn away from our wickedness. Verse 28. They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. He gave them over to the depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. Does that talk to you about Hollywood and all the movies that they crank out, filled with bitter violence and wickedness? and obscenities? That's why God is angry. And that's why the law has come chasing after America. And we will be destroyed if we do not repent. As a corporate nation, we will be destroyed. It says, They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do the very things, but also approve of those who practice them. The law is chasing you. It is active, it is alive, and you cannot continue to walk in your wickedness and think you will escape death. Let me read for you a passage of scripture. It's found over here in the book of Romans. Here it is. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot enter into the gift of God and the eternal life when you are earning the wages of death. Verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. It is not sin. It is not cheap, false, greasy grace. That is not what will save you. It's a delusion. And you will die. You either deal with the sin, or you die. Now, let me stop a minute and say a couple things. It is impossible for you or for me to be educated into the kingdom of God. I cannot go to seminars and workshops. I cannot go to Sunday school or church and listen to the preacher and learn that certain behaviors are wrong and stop doing those behaviors and think that I've entered into the kingdom of God. You cannot be educated into the kingdom of God. You must be born from above into the kingdom of heaven. Let me give you an illustration. There was a young man some time ago that I spoke with extensively about the kingdom And he had many intellectual questions, and I answered the intellectual questions the very best I could. I took him through the scriptures. I showed him the truth. 
and then he would tell me he'd gone to a strip club or he'd gotten drunk or he'd gone to a club. And I said, why are you going to the club? You know it's wrong. He said, yes, but pastor, I enjoy the grinding, the dancing with the girls. I enjoy the music. I enjoy the atmosphere of the club. It's exciting. Well, I asked him, does the owner of the club ever call you on the telephone and say to you, please, would you come to the club tonight? We're having a very special program tonight. Would you come to the club? We're going to have the great music. We're going to have the great dancing. We've got some hot girls. Would you come tonight? I said, has he ever called you and invited you to come to the club? Has anyone ever invited you to come to the club? He said, absolutely not. I said, why not? He said, because I want to go. Nobody has to invite me. I'm going to be there. I said, oh. And on the other hand, I every week invite you to come to church. I answer a thousand and one questions for you. I help you understand certain things are wrong, that you need to read the scriptures. But I said, basically, you're not interested. He was thoughtful, but he didn't change. Not then. Do you understand? Adam's nature was to enjoy the things of darkness. And nobody had to invite him to go to the club. He just went because he enjoyed the atmosphere and he enjoyed the dancing. He enjoyed the girls. He enjoyed the social interaction. Nobody had to invite him. He went because he wanted to. Well, if a man is born from above, no one has to invite him to come to church. No one has to conjole him to come to the house of the Lord. It's where his heart loves what happens. He loves to listen to the preaching of the word. Some of you have a very difficult time listening for more than 10 or 15 minutes to our video where I'm speaking about the Word of God. Why? Because your heart's really not interested. You've not been born from above. You're in the flesh trying to improve yourself a little bit, wondering, will Pastor give us some nuggets of, of strategy so I can be more successful in my life? And when you hear me talking about sin and, and the law and being condemned by it. You don't want to hear that? Are you kidding me? I'm out of here. I'm not going to listen to you talk about those kinds of things. I want to hear about success. I want to hear about how I can be an overcomer and, and everyone will love me. And No. No. A man or woman who's been born from above wants to hear the straight word of God, even including the rebuke, because they've been changed. They've been born from above. They don't love the things of darkness anymore. They love the things of God. They're not bored by the preaching of the word. They love the preaching of the word. They love the music of the spirit. They love the fellowship with saints who talk with them about their journey with Jesus. This last week, a dear brother called me and we talked on the telephone for probably an hour or so. We were both very animated and talking about Jesus and about the gospel, about walking this out day by day. He finally said to me, Pastor, I haven't had a conversation like this. I can't tell you when. I talk to people all the time, but, but people don't want to talk about these things. I said, yes, I know. 
because they haven't been born from above. It's not their interest. They're interested in the world, the flesh, and the devil. Talk about that, and they're interested. The law is active, and it will beat you up. If you're walking in sin, the law is chasing you. Now, maybe it hasn't caught up to you yet, but at some point it will catch you and it will beat the life out of you. The law has caught up to America. We have broken the everlasting covenant of God. We have violated his laws as a nation. And now the law is beating us up. You need to understand this. You need to comprehend this in your mind and know that pursuing the things of darkness is desperately dangerous. Oh, you may get away with it for a while, but in the end, you will not escape God's judgment. You will not escape the law. It will catch you. It is called in Scripture the wrath of God. It's also called something else. Let me read this for you. This is Galatians, the third chapter. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is made righteous before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. In other words, if you break the law, you are under its curse. And the law will kill you. When Jesus went to Calvary, It wasn't really the devil who killed him. It was the law of God. Jesus went to the cross, recognizing that he was going there not to be murdered by the devil. Rather, Jesus went to the cross as the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sin of the people. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. So he went to the cross because he bore your sin and he bore my sin. For, let me read this to you. Romans, the first chapter, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The word righteousness, tikasune in the Greek, it simply means innocence. We are made innocent by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary. He died as a sacrificial lamb, he was not murdered. He died as a sacrificial lamb for your sin and for mine. If you trust to the law, if you trust to your own ability, then you will perish. Romans 2.12 All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight. It is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. You can't obey the law in the flesh. You have to be born from above. There has to be a radical change in your life. 
Some of you are struggling against sin. You just keep sinning against God. You know you're sinning against Him. But you have no power to stop. You need to be born from above. And that means you have to die. Let me look at this. Over here in in Romans, the seventh chapter. Very interesting statement. Do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law a married woman is bound to her husband for as long as he is alive. So let's say I get married. I stand in front of the pastor and in front of God, and I make a vow that I will be married to this woman until death do us part. Now, that woman could leave me. She could divorce me. But does God accept that divorce? No. I'm still bound. Listen, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death, but now by dying to what once bound us, We have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. Do you understand? If you live under the law, The law will chase you down and beat you to death. Oh, maybe he won't get you today, but he is after you. He is active, he is alive, and he is coming for you. And the day will come when you will face the judgment. Because the wages of sin is death. You either receive the gift of God in Christ Jesus and die to your natural man and are crucified with Christ or the law will find you and beat you to death. Now this raises another issue. If you remember in the Garden of Eden Cain was struggling because God would not accept his sacrifice. And the Lord said to him, why are you so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. You must overcome it. Now, The second thing I want to say to you today. Yes, the law is living and alive and it is chasing after you. And if it catches you before you are crucified with Christ, it will beat you to death. And right now, America is being beaten to death. And if we do not repent, we will lose everything. And we will be turned into the most desperate and and evil nation on the face of the earth. Be 
because God will hand us over. That is one of the ways God's wrath is seen in Romans, the first and second chapter. God hands a nation over to utter wickedness, which will then result in the law coming and executing that nation. It happened to Babylon. It happened to Assyria. It happened to Greece. It happened to Rome. It will happen to America. On the other hand, sin is pictured in the scripture as something alive, something voracious, something that's coming after us, that wants to swallow us up. Do you remember that passage over here in in Revelation? Let me read it for you. Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So the devil is pictured as a dragon, a serpent, a a snake, a poison snake who would lead the whole world astray. I have seen And I don't mean to say this to scare you. But I have witnessed a person walking in rebellion, refusing to submit, who suddenly, while calm on the outside and and still bearing the resemblance of Jesus, but walking in disobedience, refusing to submit, refusing to humble their heart. I have seen that that person bitten by the serpent. And I've watched that person be destroyed. I've watched a person destroy their marriage, run off, destroy their future, totally destroy their effectiveness for Jesus. I've watched pastors do this. I've watched lay people do this, both men and women. That serpent comes because they are running from the law and they are running into the darkness and Satan comes and bites them and the venom courses through their body and it's as though they go crazy. It's as though they lose all semblance of honor. I don't want that to happen to you. Now, it's also true that that Peter... pictures the devil or sin as a lion. If you go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, verse 6, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That word devour? Looking for someone to swallow, to eat. So you have two enemies. 
If you're walking in unrighteousness and sin, you have the law that is chasing after you to kill you, to execute judgment upon you. And you have the devil coming as a lion, seeking to swallow you whole, to devour you, to devour your life, to bring every kind of wickedness upon you. And the serpent bites you, and you go crazy in your sin. And some of you have been bitten by the serpent, and you're listening, and you're saying, Is there any hope for me? Yes, there is hope for you. For Jesus wants you to repent. Jesus wants you to turn from your sin and die to it. It says, resist him and he and stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after having suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. So the devil comes like a roaring lion. He wants to eat you. He wants to swallow you whole. Now look. In the sixth chapter of Romans. Verse 11 in the same way. Speaking about Jesus dying The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. That's what Jesus did for you. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. As long as you walk in sin, you are under the law. That's what I meant earlier when I said, you cannot be educated out of sin. You must die. You must be crucified with Christ. What do I mean? an absolute rejection of your own life, an absolute giving over of yourself to Jesus, saying, Lord, take me, I'm yours. I renounce sin. A supernatural work of God has to be done in your heart to turn you from wickedness. And when that wonderful work happens, as you confess your sin, being very honest, as you repent of that sin, in other words, as you turn away from that sin and you turn to Jesus, your Savior, he will save you. Don't tell me Jesus is your Savior and you've not let him save you from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Don't tell me that Jesus is your Savior when the law is knocking on your door because it wants to execute you because of your wicked heart and you're turning away from Jesus. Don't tell me that you're a Christian. The problem we're having in the American church today is that most people attending the Christian church are simply religious people. They're not saved people. They've never rejected their own life and their own flesh and their own wickedness. They have justified themselves and said, I'm fine. I'm on my way to heaven. Everything is fine. The preacher tells me I'm saved. He's lying. You cannot be saved in your flesh, in your wickedness, in your sin. You were saved from your sin, not in your sin. Bumper sticker. I've seen it so many times. A sinner saved by grace. Impossible. If you're saved, you're no longer a sinner. If you're a sinner, you're not saved. You have to humble your heart before God. You have to repent of your sin. 
renounce it, turn away from it, and say, Jesus, I love the things of the flesh. I love the alcohol. I love the wild women. I love the wicked men. I love the sound of the music. I love the dance. But it doesn't satisfy the hunger of my heart. Lord, make me hate it. Take away the taste of the alcohol and the smoking. Take away the cursing. Take away, Lord, and you confess every wicked thing in your heart. And you say, bring to me the joy of my salvation, Lord. I will wait upon you. I will seek your face. This is not done quickly. It may take you several days of earnest searching after Jesus. Some of you are a month away from Jesus. It may take you longer than some. But you begin to be washed in the blood. You begin to turn away from the wickedness of the world. And you begin to do what it says in verse 11 of chapter 6 in Romans. Romans six eleven. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law but under grace. So you're no longer walking in sin. You're washed, you're clean. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to somebody to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, let's, let's review quickly. The law is living and active. And if you are walking in sin, it is now chasing you. And when it catches up to you, it's going to beat you, maybe to death. It is going to be very rude to you. You can get away with it for a while. America has gotten away with its wickedness year after year after year until finally the living God of heaven said, that is enough. And COVID-19 came to America. And we are being beaten. Our stores are closed. Businesses are shutting down. Some of you today listening to this broadcast don't know how you're going to pay for your rent. You don't know how you're going to pay for your food. You're in desperate shape before God. What are you going to do? You have two choices. You can let the law beat you to death. Or you can get on your face before God and begin to seriously turn to him and understand what is truly important, which is Jesus Christ and his salvation. And you can apply yourself fully to the work of repentance and turning from darkness. And the Lord Jesus will rescue you. And he will rescue America. 
It would be nothing for God to turn this pandemic away from America. But he will not do that until America repents, stops the abortions, stops the foreign wars, stops the corruption in our government. A great cry of repentance needs to go up from America. Now also, the devil is alive and well, and sin, when I speak of sin, I'm talking about the devil's control over your life. Sin is crouching at your door, and you must overcome it. How do you overcome it? By dying to it. By saying, I'm done. And turning to Jesus with all your heart. Now, I know that many of you have no clue. You're very self-righteous. You think you're saved. You think you're doing great. But you're scared to death of COVID-19. If you're a Christian, you do not need to be afraid of COVID-19. Oh, but pastor, I might get it. Yes, and God will heal you. Or he'll take you home. Either one is okay. But it's not okay with me, pastor. Well, yeah, because you walk in the flesh. You're not filled with the Spirit of God. So the devil's going to beat you up. He's, he's here with his sin. He's looking for you to swallow you whole, to, to murder you, to kill you. So you have the law coming to beat you up, and you have the devil coming to kill you. The curse of the law is powerful, and the devil is powerful. And we have only one escape, and his name is Jesus. And we must be crucified with him. We must die to ourself and to our flesh and be brought into the kingdom of God. And you cannot be educated into the kingdom of God. You must be born from on high. A religious man will not escape the law. Well, we're out of time for the broadcast today. I need to hear from you. If you want this message to continue going out over the air, I need to hear from you. Some of you are in a financial place where you cannot give, or you think you cannot give. I need to hear from some of you who do have a heart to give, and you do want Pilgrim's Progress to remain on the air. Donations have dramatically dropped and my faith is in jesus i'm standing by faith but write to me the national prayer chapel post office box 2346 woodbridge virginia 22195 i know he will carry us through this because he promised me he would and he wants this message to go out now you can also go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com you can give online my brother my sister I love you I want you to be saved from your sin God bless you you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel I'll talk to you soon now unto him who is able Keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ alone.